Listener supported. WNYC Studios. A co-presentation of WNYC Studios and Night Vale presents. You are listening to the Orbiting Human Circus of the Air. Let us go back in time. When the janitor first came to the Eiffel Tower, he did not speak. So much so that his boss, Mr. Chenard, believed him born unable and immediately went about the task of learning sign language. At that time, the janitor spent most of his time in the janitor's closet. He comes out only when the rest of the world is asleep, like a mouse emerging from its hole, tentatively and ready to run back at any moment. Hello. Ah, there he is. Oh, he looks like a baby. Oh, no, just kidding. He actually looks just about the same. Anyway, at this time, the janitor's life had two primary problems. One, the intrusions of Mr. Chouinard, whose actions and motivations confounded the janitor, but whose comings could easily be predicted by clock. Mr. Chouinard's okay. And two, the intrusions of the night watchman, who was scary and whose comings could not be foretold by clock. But the night watchman, he's, he's not all right. Then the night watchman was something quite different. You see, at this time, the Eiffel Tower's night watchman was a terrifying man. One might imagine a horrible man, brutal and violent. Oh, my God, he's coming. No. The janitor dives into his closet, hiding in the dark. The footsteps arrive. He's on the other side of the door. The janitor cannot breathe. Suddenly, the whole closet lights up. The night watchman shines his lantern under the door, flooding the closet with light. His hands are on the knob. There is no lock. He is going to open the door. But, like a beast saving his prey for later, he does not. For now. Meanwhile, elsewhere, Mr. Chenard proves to have no talent whatsoever for sign language. We find him now practicing on his family. Maman, ça ressemble à l'aquarium. I do not look like a seal. You look like a seal clapping for fish. The child means nothing by it. Relax. Do you want a sardine? Undaunted by the fact that his youngest children have now mastered sign language chapters ahead of him, and assured him that his patented combination of dyslexia and lack of coordination result in signs intelligible only to trainers at the aquarium, Mr. Chenard continues to practice, and several days later we find him nervously approaching the janitor's closet door in the hopes of communicating with him properly for the very first time. The janitor, of course, is hiding behind that door. Okay, Chenard, you've got this. You've practiced hard, and, uh, hello, yes, haha, that's hello. It will be a pleasure to work, mm, that's right, work is, uh, the hand uh, like this, mm, right, with you, mm, pleasure, mm, pleasure, well, what was pleasure, this, no, uh, this, ah, yes, ah, it will be a pleasure to, uh, to work, mm-hmm. <gasps> 
cannot talk. He cannot say, uh, Come in, Mr. Chenard, and you cannot see him saying it to you in sign language through the door. No, no, he doesn't even know you understand sign language right now. No, you have to just open the door. Mr. Chenard throws the door open, exposing the cowering janitor. Uh, yes! Uh, hello! I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Hold, hold on. Stay right there. Okay. Ah. It would be Work with you. It would be. It would be a pleasure. A pleasure. It would. It would be a pleasure to work with you. <laughs> what are you doing? You can talk. He can talk, mon dieu. I have cured him with my sans language. I have reached him. I have broken through. He's a miracle. Wait till I tell Elizabeth. Mr. Chenard storms off. Here we must point out that at this moment it had been a very long time since the janitor had talked to another person. The janitor notes that speaking seemed to send Mr. Chenard away, wow. and so resolves to do it much more often. Ah, yes, that takes care of him. But what of the night watchman, who can show up at any moment? Wait, I hear something. What was that? Chenard is gone. It is the night watchman. Ah, oh, no, just mice. They come because the janitor feeds them. Julian cannot stop his heart from pounding. You see, the night watchman's footsteps sound exactly like the janitor's stepfathers did on his drunken rampages. I have an awful feeling something bad is going to happen. Something must be done about this terrifying specter of the night. The janitor realizes he has got to take a terrible step. He must go to it. Find the night watchman in his lair. Spy on him when he emerges. Follow and learn the method to his madness, the secret of his rounds, so that he might avoid them for once and for all. He stands and strides out into the night heroically. I... no. I said he stands and strides out into the night heroically. Uh. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. No. Yes. Yes. Wait. Heroically. Fine. That was timidly. Oh, shh. He climbs down the stairs, quaking with a cowardly gait. He reaches the bottom, where outside lies the ticket booth, which at night becomes the night watchman's office. The janitor puts his hand on the door. It's been a long time. He opens the door, just a crack, and pokes his head out. It's the first time any part of him has been outside the tower in... In... In a long time. The janitor feels a sudden feeling he remembers from childhood. The 
great desire to go outside. Can I? His hand on the door, his head poking out. He looks. The night watchman is in the ticket booth. The janitor steps out. Wow. Carefully making his way across the shadowy base of the tower, where he hides. Luckily, the janitor is an excellent hider. It was his extracurricular activity at school. <gasps> the night watchman is leaving his office. The janitor can't see him clearly. He's, he's, he's looking this way. He doesn't see the janitor. <gasps> he's walking into the tower. This is it. He's beginning his rounds. Go, go, go. The janitor begins to follow him at a distance, silently, which is very brave. The night watchman goes up the stairs. The janitor follows bit by bit, hiding against the wall. He really is the best hider in the world, and thank God. They reach the top of the stairs. The night watchman goes out first, onto the observation deck. The janitor follows. The night watchman goes past the commissary, past the elevator. The janitor keeps track of the night watchman's movements by the position of the moon. He doesn't own a watch. Wait! The night watchman is just around the bend ahead. He stops. He's right in front of the janitor's closet. He's listening at the door. He throws the door wide open. And he goes inside. What if I was in there? The janitor shivers as if he were inside. Wait. The night watchman's come out. He's he's turning around. He's walking towards the janitor. Has he heard him? The janitor's backing away towards the stairs. The night watchman follows. The janitor begins backing down the stairs, one by one. The night watchman reaches the top of the stairs. He looks around. Maybe he hasn't heard him. The night watchman is starting down. The janitor keeps backing down the stairs in lockstep with the night watchman so as not to be heard. How long can he keep this up? Down they go, and down, and down. Oh, thank God they've reached the bottom. The janitor's going out. No, don't go that way. You'll be trapped. The janitor isn't thinking. He crouches down against the ticket booth and closes his eyes. The night watchman walks right up and he's two feet away. He's reached him. He's past him. He goes inside the ticket booth. He didn't see him. The janitor made it. He's opened his eyes. He's home free now. He only has to creep away. (gasps) What are you doing? I'm not going to run away anymore. He's drawn to the ticket booth window like a moth to the light. He's gone right up to it, crouching down beneath the window in front. The night watchman is near that window. He's looking down at some papers. I gotta look. The janitor cannot contain himself. He steals a look. And... Oh my god. No. We will return in just a moment. Become a friend of the Orbiting Human Circus on Patreon to get access to behind-the-scenes notes, photos, and other updates about the making of the show, live video chats with the Orbiting Human Circus, high-quality episode downloads, invitations to one-of-a-kind in-person experiences, and so much more. Go to patreon.com slash orbitinghumancircus. 
That's patreon.com slash orbiting human circus to join today. Music from the Orbiting Human Circus and Naughty Till New Year's is being released by Merge Records on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Bandcamp, and more. Listen today on your preferred digital music service provider. When we last left the janitor, he was crouched beneath a window of the ticket booth. The night watchman is just behind that window. He looks down at his paperwork and the janitor rises up. He steals a peek and... Oh my god. No. What the janitor sees is... Oh, no, no, no. This is where we must point out that the night watchman, like all terrifying specters of the night, has never actually been seen, clearly, not up close, like this, by the janitor. He's imagined him, all right, hearing the horrible approach of those footsteps who wouldn't. But the janitor must admit now that the night watchman isn't exactly as he imagined him. For one thing, he's about five foot four. Maybe he'd once been taller, but... Stooped that way, it's difficult to tell. He's old. Not a day past 80. Or 90. This is all a bit embarrassing, actually. The janitor continues to hide outside the window, and when the night watchman turns away, he steals another peek and sneaks away. And later, back in his janitor's closet, he lies in his cot. It was a big night for him. He actually went outside, and he faced his boogeyman, and it turned into something quite different. You know, I almost think he was a performer, like when he was young. I can just picture him on a stage. I don't know, I need to look again. And the next night, the janitor finds himself drawn out of his closet to follow the night watchman again finding himself enjoying going down to the base of the tower and hiding and looking at the warm glow of the light coming from the ticket booth. He does this the next night also, and at the end of the night, the night watchman puts on music in the ticket booth while he does his paperwork, and the janitor watches him from outside and listens. And Coco, and this was Coco, inside the booth, loosens his collar, and putting his papers aside, turns to a small window at the back of the ticket booth and opens it. The janitor is just beneath this window, crouching down. The janitor can hear Coco's music now clearly pouring out through the open window. It reminds him of being very young, and being near somebody quite old he liked very much. And then one night, Coco in the ticket booth begins typing something. My God, look at him go. Who would have thought those old hands could type so well? He's like a machine. Where did a man of his age learn to type like that? What is he writing? The janitor has to know. He dangerously crosses to the windows at the front of the ticket booth where he can peer in just over the night watchman's shoulder. Uh-oh. This is not good. 
New janitor cannot be found. Please advise. <gasps> oh, it's addressed to the tower management. This will reach the janitor's boss's boss. This is bad. And indeed, the next night, Coco finds the janitor's boss, Mr. Chenard, waiting for him at the ticket booth door as the janitor hides near, listening in. Okay, sit down. Sit down. Make yourself comfortable. There you go. Okay. Thank you, Coco. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, how was your day? My day has been a little bit mixed up because a couple of things happened. <laughs> but I'm okay. Uh-huh. Uh, my day uh, was a little bit more than mixed up. <laughs> uh, I am in trouble. Oh. Big, big trouble. Coco, anything ever to do with the janitor? Ever, 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 ever. Please come directly to me. Here, here is my telephone number. Here is my address. Just come on over if you want to, but do not tell my bosses. Okay. Okay. Now, please, listen. I went to check on the janitor earlier, and he is here. No, no, he is always here. The janitor has never left the tower. Big boy. Coco, do you have a cigarette? Thank you. At this point, Mr. Chenard rises with the thought of closing the window, suddenly realizing he might be overheard. Okay. The first night. What's he saying? This makes it much more difficult for the janitor to overhear. And so he presses his face right up against the window and peers in. I can hear now. When he does, the ticket booth is filling up with smoke. And Mr. Chenard is placing his hand on Coco's shoulder. Coco, if the janitor ever tells you anything about his past, call me. I don't care what I am doing. If I am performing open-heart surgery, you, you run in, you grab my hand, and you say, Chanel, the janitor has told me something about his past. Just like that. It's very important. Minutes later, the ticket booth door opens and Mr. Chenard walks off. Coco emerges behind him. Having learned that the janitor has been there all along, Coco has a sneaking suspicion he is being made a fool of and renews his search with a new look of determination. The janitor emerges, looking just as determined, and follows. Coco walks alert like a cat, and the janitor no longer smiles. It's taking all of his hiding abilities not to be discovered now. The silent chase continues, passing through the hall of the tower for one hour. And then two. But the janitor's behaving strangely. He's not hiding as well. Careful, Julian, I think he's onto you. Your sleeve is peeking out of the shadows. Your shoe tips are peeking out. I think he saw. I let him. You let him? He'll ask you questions. The old man takes a step toward the janitor. Their two eyes meet. Hello. I'm Coco, the night watchman here. The janitor's heart starts pounding. You see, there are so many things he can't explain. Like... What brought you to the Eiffel Tower? Coco sees this was a mistake. The question seemed to surprise the young man, taking a step backward almost as if he was struck and finding himself quite literally pinned against the wall. 
The janitor does what he has done his whole life in similar situations. He tells a story. I came to go to the ballroom at the top. There's no ballroom at the top of the Eiffel Tower. Oh, there is. And so began the story that was to be continued every night they met for days and then months until neither the janitor nor Coco could remember how long it had been going on. The janitor even commemorated the manner in which they met by making it part of the story. He sweetly told of a scene where the stagehands were in the giant backstage storage room, putting away some enormous canvas paintings that had been used as a backdrop. Lift with your Okay, I got it, I got it. While on stage, the night's show wraps up. Letitia can be found carrying one of those paintings with Jacques. Okay, so, I mean, like, my whole bedroom, everything in it. Keep lifting. Yeah, yeah, I got it. So, what I was saying is the whole thing you could eat. Like, the walls were chocolate cookie. The bed, the the pillow was made out of some kind of marshmallow. But that's disgusting. And Why no, would you want to put your head down on marshmallow? Because it's it, it's not disgusting. I don't know where you're from. That's and the disgusting. night table, no, no, no. The night table yeah. was my favorite rhubarb pie. Oh, that does sound good. Oh, yeah. You know, like my aunt used to make. Uh-huh. And I'm about to feast on this stuff, right? Yeah. And then I wake up. I don't get a bite. You understand? Oh, not a single bite. Nothing. Nothing. That's terrible. Hold on. You can't turn like that without telling me. Ow! Oh, sorry. I just remembered my dream from last night. Uh, I hope it was less disappointing than mine. Totally. Well, actually, so I was a little girl, and I was out playing, and I got lost. And so I started looking for the Eiffel Tower. Because my mother, you know, she always tell me if I get lost, I should look for the Eiffel Tower. I know exactly where I am. Hey, mine too. Oh, really? Yeah, my aunt, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. You know, I wonder how many French children were told the same thing, huh? I bet lots. That tower, mm. it had personality. Mm-hmm. It was like, uh, almost like it was haunted with a benevolent presence, huh? Oh, oh, hey, what was that? Oh, I tripped over something. <sighs> it was a mop. Uh, you all right? Yeah, I'm all right. Uh, we left that mop there. It's all right. Let's just keep going. Hey, you uh, you had a dream about the janitor the other night, didn't you? Oh, you right, were... I was telling you about it. Yeah, you, okay. you didn't finish. Okay, so, well, I had told you that the janitor had overheard Monsieur Trunard telling Coco that the janitor had never left the tower, right? Right, and the night watchman had been looking, right? Uh, looking for the janitor, but you could never find the janitor because the janitor... He's following the night watchman. Ah. That was where I stopped. Yeah, yeah. That was where I stopped. Right. Okay, so, Coco is looking all over for the janitor, and the janitor is following Coco, but then maybe the janitor, he starts to feel bad, you know? He's like, he begins to let the old man catch glimpses of him, and the old man, he makes an interesting decision. He pretends he did not see he uh, pretend to keep looking for yeah, the janitor, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. So he think, oh, this is maybe the best way to draw the janitor out. Mm-hmm. And the janitor, he saw this, and he think, oh. And then suddenly, they are both playing this game together. Hmm. You know what I mean? <sighs> Let's, uh, yeah. you want to put it here? Right here, up there, up there, up there. Against the other one. Yep. Oh, yep. oh, you all right? I got it, I got it. Oh, you got me in a corner. <sighs> 
So anyway, that was how the night watchman got the janitor to come out and talk to him for the first time. Yeah, well, neat. people who work at night, you know, they, uh... Oh, sure, come on, come well. on, come on. Keep your shirt on, eh? What? The whole thing is so. Well, soap, this is not okay? a Friday night bingo in here. No, you're wearing your undershirt, all right? Yeah, well, uh, I'm not trying to prove to the other stations that uh, I have a six-pack. What was that? That's right. Hey, guys, Letitia says... I do have a six-pack. Suddenly, the other stagehands hear a distant crashing sound. What was that? That was the sound of Letitia breaking a painting over Jacques's head. But it's okay. It was the ugliest one. Yeah, Jacques is the ugliest one. I mean, among us stagehands, right? Yeah, it's in the eye of the beholder. While on stage, the show draws to a close. Broadcasting from the top of the Eiffel Tower. Reorbiting human circus of the air. For this week, ladies and gentlemen, this is John Cameron broadcasting from the top of the Eiffel Tower. The orbiting human circus wishes you a good night. Hey, yo, you hear what you said? I do have a six-pack. I do. I do. The Orbiting Human Circus is a co-production of WNYC Studios and Night Vale Presents. Episode 2 featured John Cameron Mitchell, Drew Callender, Susanna Flood, David Barlow, Dan Solomon, Nicholas Carter, Walter Lowry, and Julian Coster, with Magali and Alaska as the Chouinard family. It was written and directed by Julian Coster and further workshopped with the cast and crew of The Orbiting Human Circus, and produced by Christy Gressman, with music composition and arrangement by Thomas Hughes, and music by The Music Tapes. Lead editor Grant Stewart and editors Janelle Yee, Emily Marinoff, and Jeff Tobias with Julian. Sound design by Jonathan Siri Mose, Foley by John Ringhofer, and lathe cutting by Steve Espinola. Engineering by Vincent Cachione, and additional production and mixing by Will Stanton. For more information and full credits, go to orbitinghumancircus.com.